Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. It's double the Borg, double the fun. You're listening to the What the Elf Was That podcast, an iconoclastic look at the latest Cleveland Browns news. The What the Elf Was That podcast is part of the Fanatical Elves podcast network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here's your host, Joel Cade. Welcome back to another week of What the Elf Was That? We got a good one for you. We're going to talk about the Borg not once, but twice. Double the Borg, double the fun. As you guys know, we're in the Darth of the NFL offseason. We're in the mode where, like, we're now praying that people don't go off and get themselves arrested. That's the highlight of our six-week layoff here. We're into week two, which means we have five weeks before spring or uh, training camp. So while we're waiting for people to not get arrested, praying or saying our prayers, eating our vitamins, you know, using the Hulk Hogan Python powder, while we're waiting for uh, our players not to get arrested, it's been not much in terms of Browns news. But I found something I thought you guys might be interested in. I saw an article where someone argued, and it was our own Dog Pound Daily, that the Browns should beg to be on hard knocks. Not should they like ask, not that they say, hey, I want to, but that they should beg to be on hard knocks. So that got me thinking about the Browns and being on hard knocks. You know, have you guys watched hard knocks recently? Now, hard knocks used to be an interesting show. It used to be really fascinating. You get on, these players would act like themselves. Coaches would act like themselves. Owners would act like themselves, and it would be really kind of a really entertaining thing to see. But nowadays, everyone's like coached up, like don't do anything smart, don't do anything stupid, don't don't uh, show your true personality, don't do anything dumb. You'll get all this stuff. People will look at you for all the wrong reasons. You know, all this kind of crap, which really kind of takes the fun out of hard knocks. The fun of hard knocks is watching people make millions of dollars and having an IQ of like 50. That's what's fun. Like people doing the stupidest crap. Now, I can't say that if I wasn't 21, 22, 23 and was handed $7 million on a rookie contract that, you know, I might not do some stupid stuff too. But sometimes people did things that were just outrageous. And so you have agents now and you have owners and you have PR departments that tell all these people, Don't do this. Don't do that. And more than anything, NFL teams avoid hard knocks like the plague. And the reason hard knocks is in the news is because, and yes, you guessed it, every NFL team is avoiding the hard knocks show like the plague. Nobody wants to be on hard knocks. The NFL right now, as is its usual annual thing, is begging teams to go on hard knocks. And as is usual, nobody is going on hard knocks. So the NFL is going to have to pretty much just tell somebody you're going to have to be on hard knocks. So we'll see who gets on hard knocks this year. 
Uh, I can tell you it's going to be a team that doesn't want to be on hard knocks. And there's no way, shape, and form the Browns should actually want to be on hard knocks. But we'll get to that in a minute. But first of all, why don't we go back, go through memory lane a little bit, and kind of remind ourselves as to why hard knocks was interesting to start with. So I've gathered about six or seven really good hard knocks moments for, for us to reminisce on. So some of these are my personal favorite, and they're not really ordered in any way. But here's my first favorite. One of my first favorites was Vince Wilfork. Many of you guys may not remember Vince Wilfork, but Vince Wilfork was a man that was so big that when he lined up as a defensive tackle, he literally took up two people. Like if he lined up in the A-gap between the center and the guard, his body was so wide that he would cover both the center and the, the guard. It was incredible. He was huge. So this man is playing for the Houston Texans, and he shows up to camp wearing nothing, and I mean wearing nothing but cowboy boots and a set of overalls. And he's walking out onto a field to do walkthrough in cowboy boots and overalls. It's incredible. It's an absolutely incredible scene. Get on somewhere, look it up. It's phenomenal. Another one of my favorite moments comes from the L.A. Rams hard knocks, where L.A. Rams defender William Hayes claims, contra Miles Garrett, by the way, claims that dinosaurs do not exist. Okay? I don't know if he believes in flat earth or not. It would be consistent if he did. But he does believe that dinosaurs do not exist and that dinosaur bones are put in the ground to fool people into thinking they actually existed when, in fact, they didn't. I can't make this crap up. This is what he believes, okay? On the other hand, he believes that mermaids are absolutely real. Look this up. It's phenomenal. You got these people who dress up like mermaids. There's a whole culture of these people showing up to Rams camp to, like, hang out with William Hayes because they're real, Mermaids are absolutely real. We have no evidence to prove that they're real, but they're real. But dinosaurs that we have evidence to prove that actually existed, those things don't exist. Then there's the not-so-great moment in where Chad Ochocico Johnson was literally arrested on Hard Knocks. He was with, I believe, the Dolphins at the time, and Dolphins were on Hard Knocks. And he got into a domestic altercation where he was alleged to have headbutted his then wife and got arrested for domestic violence. And then there was the scene on hard knocks where he got cut. Now, the reason I like this moment, because as a Browns fan, I've watched Chad Ochocinco play for that team in Cincinnati. And I just think it's something worth watching to see Chad Ochocinco get cut. All right. Now we're down to possibly my two favorite. Okay. One is Ethan Westbrook. Now, I have a picture for you on this one. Ethan Westbrook, during Rams camp, decided that he was going to get a tattoo on his face. For those of you watching the video, there it is. There's Ethan Westbrook with a tattoo on his face. Now, the reason he got the tattoo on his face was because, and I'll quote this for you, I was just like I was just like, I might as well go ahead and get it on my face because if nothing else, it will help me help motivate me to be either a guy that has a tattoo on his face looking for another job or hopefully 
I make it in the NFL and don't have to work too hard to do something else. I don't feel that it's a bad thing now. I don't regret it. It speaks for itself. The story here is that Michael Westbrook was a rookie in Rams camp, went out and got a tattoo on his face so that he would never have to work at Toys R Us again. Apparently, he worked at Toys R Us before camp, and he thought, what can I do to prevent myself from ever getting a job at any normal place ever again? I know. I'll get a tattoo on my face. Now, apparently back then, that was a thing, but nowadays, people have tattoos on their face all the time. I've actually seen people at places I go to in retail with tattoos on their faces. So I don't know if this worked out for you, Michael West or Ethan, West, excuse me, Michael, it's Ethan Westbrook. I don't know if this worked out for you, Westbrook, because you may still be getting a job at Toys R Us with that tattoo on your face. Now, good for Westbrook is that he actually did make the team that year. So good for him. But I've never seen somebody go so far as to get a tattoo on their face to avoid working at Toys R Us. What does that say about Toys R Us? What kind of work environment is going on there? I'm not really sure. I currently don't have a job that I would want to get a tattoo on my face so I don't have to work there again. But I've had jobs where I would much rather have a tattoo on my face than work there. So, you know, good for you, Westbrook, for for taking the initiative into your own hands there and, like, getting that done. My other also one-time famous favorite thing is the time that Antonio Cromarte was attempting to name all of his children. This is classic. This is classic, classic stuff. In fact, I'm going to share my screen here again, and we're going to, if you are watching, watch part of this clip of Antonio Cromarte attempting to name all of his children. Hopefully this works out. Okay. When you're on the football field, you have to turn, you know, all the aggression on. But as soon as you leave and get home, you got to be that father figure, you know, that that husband. What is wrong with your hair? <laughs> what is going on with your hair? We got Alonzo, who is five. I have um, Karis, who is three. I have my my junior, which is three. I have a my daughter, who just turned three as of yesterday. Um, I have another son named Tyler. That's a, he turns three in December. We got another... Uh, daughter that was born October 16th, named London. Uh, another daughter that was born named Leilani, who's uh, two years old. And uh, I have uh, my newborn with my wife. Her name is Jersey. And hopefully you got that, folks. Antonio Cromartie attempting to name all of his children. If you didn't hear that, um, let's just say he struggled. He has a lot of kids that are all about the same age. And apparently he's giving the impression they're all from the same woman. I don't know if this is true or not, but you know, this is why we watch hard knocks, not for the crap that it's become, but for stuff like this. Speaking of hard knocks, we can't go on without mentioning the Browns on hard knocks. Jarvis Landry's speech, which was contagious. Hugh Jackson driving the bus, Todd Haley having issues with people sitting on the sidelines being perfectly healthy and how they need to toughen up the Browns at Hard Knocks. So Hard Knocks is basically a boring TV show. I haven't even watched it the last three or four years because it's like low-key, no personality, no nothing. So why does HBO even do Hard Knocks? I don't know. It's boring as crap. 
But nonetheless, there are those out there, including Dog Pound Daily Zone, Greg Newland, who has made the argument that the Browns should beg to be on hard knocks because, because, in his opinion, the Browns have become a different team. The organization has come together. Check this out, by the way, on dogpounddaily.com. That they're better now. They're not a dysfunctional organization. And being on hard knocks is a perfect way to announce to the world that the Browns are no longer dysfunctional. It puts the drama behind them, can reintroduce the Browns to America as a fully functional team. And most importantly, it'll give good publicity to Deshaun Watson, who, by the way, needs good publicity. I'm just going to point out all that stuff, the drama, reintroducing the Browns to America, Deshaun Watson getting good publicity. All that happens if the Browns win. If the Browns win, all that happens, whether or not they're on hard knocks. So I I appreciate your opinion, Greg. Um, I would much rather just see the Browns win as opposed to try to do a PR game. I'm never for the PR game. Plus, you don't want the PR game to end up with some Browns player attempting to name their children and having no idea who their kids even are. Right, we we've seen that story. We don't need that to be a Browns player played over and over and over again, not knowing how to even name their own kids. All right, I promised you double the Borg, double the fun. Speaking of all this, it has come to light. Let me get my cue this up for you, everybody. Are we ready? Your culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. Let's do that again. We are the Borg. Your culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. The Borg, ladies and gentlemen, are at it again. I would have spoken about this last week, but I wanted John Suchan to come on and talk about my other favorite topic, which is NFL gambling. But today we're going to talk about the San Francisco 49ers have come to an agreement, a settlement on a civil action lawsuit, or excuse me, a class action lawsuit about their data breach. Now, for those of you who have not been paying attention to what's been going on with this one, and I know, I get it. There are so many lawsuits against the NFL right now. There are so many things that they're doing that is just blatantly illegal and blatantly a a violation of everyone's trust that it's hard to keep track. So this is the one from the security breach back in February of 2022 where the San Francisco 49ers had a massive security breach and released credit card, social security numbers, phone numbers, addresses, anything you can think of for 20,930 people that have either purchased tickets, worked for them, gave their information to them to be a part of a mailing list or anything. All that data was, was breached. Okay. So they decided to wait six months before they told anybody that their data was breached. So here we have this massive data breach. Probably somebody sent an email. They probably got this little phishing email, the stuff that your security people at your job tell you not to open, to not give access to. If you don't know what it is, just delete it. If you don't know what it is, send it to the secure email where like the IT people will look at it. Well, some moron in San Francisco decided that like, hey, let's uh, let's check this out. Let's do this. And in the meantime, 20,000 people had their social security numbers plastered all over the dark web. 
Then the 49ers sat on it and didn't tell anybody until someone, I'm not going to put their name out there, until someone said, hey, I got a notification from my, my credit monitoring company that I pay for myself that my social security number was just sold on the dark web. Now, if you don't know what the dark web is, that's a whole other thing. This is the part of the internet where like not good things happen. It's not the part of the internet you, you actually access through the world wide web. These are more like um, news groups and whatnot that are like lists and you just secured to this computer. There's no web browser kind of situation, right? It's just information out there. So that the, their social security number was sold on the dark web. The NFL said nothing. San Francisco 49ers said nothing. For six months, almost 21,000 people had their information out on the dark web and had no idea this was out there. So you know what happens, right? They get together and they sue you. And the 49ers had to settle this lawsuit against them, which they rightfully should have a lawsuit against them. So I'm going to tell you one thing. Be careful when you give your information out on the internet your credit card numbers, your social security numbers, all that stuff. Be careful. These people are morons. I've tried to explain to you before how dumb they are. And we'll try to explain it again how dumb they are. But they cannot be trusted with your information. So it came to light only after a former employee found that their social security number was sold on the dark web. So they decided to sue. And as a part of the settlement, here's what the 49ers have to do as a part of the settlement. They have to hire an executive vice president of technology. Okay, I get it. You want to have somebody that's in charge of all the technology there. My question is, how is there not already somebody who's in charge of all the technology that you're using as a team? Okay, but we're, we're there. This is what they had. To, this implies that there's not one there. The next one's going to kill you. The next thing they have to do is they have to hire a cybersecurity IT professional as a part of their team. So let me put that to you again. The 49ers now have to hire an IT professional that specializes in cybersecurity. This leads me to my next point. What the elf is going on in San Francisco? How do you not have a cybersecurity professional as a part of your organization. I work for a pretty small organization comparatively to a lot of other places, and we have IT professionals that send us emails all the time. Don't get into the phishing. Don't get into the whaling. Don't get into this. Don't get into that. Don't open the emails. Don't click on the links. If you don't know who it's from, check the email address. Does the email address look correct? I know these things, and I work at some peon place, okay? I'm putting it out there, right? What I do is important. It's a good place to work. I strongly recommend all of you work there. It's a great place. But we are not huge by any stretch of the imagination. And we have multiple people in our ID department that deal with cybersecurity. How does a professional football team who takes in millions a year in ticket sales with credit card numbers, with social security numbers of their employees, how do they not have someone on staff? Is this like the dark ages of technology? Are they out there with like an old like push button cash register? I mean, what the hell is this? What the elf is going on? Are they so arrogant that they think we're beyond being hacked? 
And then when they get hacked, like, well, we're just not going to tell anybody. And let's let's pretend that nobody notices. You're going to notice if your ID is being stolen and your social security number is being used to purchase things in your name, destroying your credit. But here's the NFL, right? Oh, let's let's not tell anybody. Let's just not say anything. And we're only going to reveal it when a class action lawsuit is filed against us because that's just how we roll. We don't give a rat's rear end about you, your information, or anything about you. We will throw you under the bus, but we will take your money while you're while we're doing it. Like, and before we throw him under the bus, let's get his wallet. So not only can we take all of his money, but we could probably sell it on the dark web at the same time. Come on, people. I mean, you want people to believe that you're putting out a first-rate product, but you have, like, Fred Flintstone-era computers and technology. I mean, are you, like, running in your car to work out there? What, 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 what the elf is going on? So word to the wise, don't buy football tickets through the San Francisco 49ers. Just don't do it because you're not going to get, I mean, do you want your crap sold? Of course, now they probably have an IT professional, so you might be okay. But I don't know what kind of era they're living in, but good God. All right, people, we got to have a break. On the other side of the break, we're going to go into segment Dose of the Borg. And it's a long one. And it's just for you. So hang on after the break. And welcome back. Welcome back to What the Elf Was That? We've talked about the Borg not protecting your information when they get it. We've talked about Hard Knocks, this relic of a TV show. But we're about to now get back to the the issue du jour, and it involves these people. We are the Borg. Your culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. So you may have noticed, if you've been paying attention and listening to my podcast, we've been talking about gambling in the NFL for about a month now, probably the last three or four episodes. We've been talking about gambling in the NFL. Well, now the NFL has decided that they need to, like, do something about this. So let's rehash what's been going on. The Athletic. Now, I like to rag on The Athletic here in this podcast, but they actually have some good articles and some good things we're saying. And at this time, I think The Athletic has been ahead of the ball game. They've had articles from Kalen Kaler and Bob Kravitz on gambling, the NFL's gambling uh, policies, how they don't make sense, how players are being suspended, and why players are being suspended. And how this is working, how owners own a lot of these gambling processes, how the owners are attempting to put gambling sites in NFL stadiums, how the owners are advertising gambling because they have ownership stake in these gambling services, advertising and pushing gambling onto the fans to another way of just taking your money, essentially, right? They're the Borg. They, you will be assimilated. You will give us all of your money. So the owners act are, are, are a part of the gambling problem. They're pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing the gambling. The problem is they have inconsistencies in their gambling policies. So I'm going to go over their gambling policies, and then we'll go over what is going on as we need to talk about it today. So the NFL has consistent, inconsistent gambling policies. They've already suspended several players 
one of the issues on the athletic by the Kalen Kaler by Kalen Kaler is that players aren't very well educated in terms of what is actually going on with the NFL policy. Players aren't very well educated. It's kind of taught as an afterthought. It's not very out in front. And people, as a result, don't know what the policies are and are therefore being suspended for things like, I placed a bet on golf while on the team bus, which you would think is not a big deal, right? But no, you get suspended for that. So did you know that the NFL has one set of policies and rules for players gambling and a second set of rules for non-players? Which obviously is like, Confusing this crap, right? So you have one set of policies for people who are players. You have a second set of policies for non-players. So let's go over this real quick. Non-players cannot bet on sports of any kind at any time in anywhere, period, done, over, period. If you're a coach, if you're an assistant, if you're the accountant, if you're the mail clerk guy, if you're the radio personality guy, if you are an NFL employee and you are not a player, you cannot gamble on the NFL, period. Now that makes sense, right? That makes sense. You would think that would be the policy for everyone. You're an NFL employee. You're not going to bet on professional sports of any kind in any way, in any shape, because we're interested in protecting the integrity of the game. But that's not how this writes. That's not how this works. And it's not how it reads. Non-player, excuse me, players, however, can bet on professional sports as long as they meet certain conditions. This is what's known as the big six, right? They cannot bet on NFL football. They cannot bet at work on company property or at work. No one can place a bet for them. You cannot share inside information. You cannot enter a sports book during the NFL playing season. By the way, I'm not a better. I have no idea what that even means. I wouldn't even know how to enter a sports book or what that even means. Or you can't play daily fantasy football. So two policies, right? If you're, if you're a football player, you can bet as long as you do the six rules. If you're not a football player, there is no question. You can't bet on anything ever, period, done. If you do it, you're getting fired. That's it. Now, that's not confusing at all, right? That's not confusing at all. First, you have to figure out, okay, am I a player? Or am I not a player, right? You got your little decision tree. Well, I'm a player. Okay, so I'm allowed to bet on sports. How am I allowed to bet? Well, I can't bet on football. I can't share information. I can't bet while I'm at work. Blah, blah. So why are... And I want you to just use your head for a second. Because you are a part of the enlightened audience that listens to this show. Why would players be allowed to bet, but nobody else? It's not that hard, people. It comes down to one thing. It comes down to the money. Because NFL players make money. Now, I'm going to clue you in on something that goes on in the NFL and most other professional franchises. You think as a, as a normal Joe Blow person, wow, the NFL is rolling in money. They must tell you, they must pay their employees like gangbusters. You know, if I'm like working for the Cleveland Browns, I'm getting paid well because I'm working for the Cleveland Browns. That is not true. Okay. 
The people who make money in the NFL are the upper executives and the players. That's it. Like everyone else, they get told stuff like, it's a privilege to work for the Cleveland Browns. You get to work for the Cleveland Browns. You get that 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 prestige, which is a French word that means a lie, by the way. You get the prestige of, of being a part of the Cleveland Browns. And so they end up paying you like the same amount as you'd work anywhere else or less by saying it's the prestige of being a part of the Cleveland Browns. This, by the way, is how the NFL also treats cheerleaders. Another topic I'd love to talk about is how the NFL treats cheerleaders. And part of what they tell them is, hey, we're going to pay you X amount of dollars a game, but you know, you're going to have all these extra obligations, but you get to be an NFL cheerleader. And that's what's in it for you. It's opportunity of a lifetime that you get to be an NFL cheerleader. Anyway, that's pretty much how they treat all their employees when they're not sexually harassing them or uh, verbally harassing them or things like that, as we saw with the Washington Commanders or the NFL headquarters or the NFL network out in California, which are all under investigation for those kinds of behaviors. So when they're not harassing you and they're not sexually harassing you, they're not paying you very well and telling you you should like it because you get to work for an NFL team. So the only people that make money are the owners and the upper level executives who have investment into monies bound up into gambling apps and the players. So if you want money, who are you going to get it from in the NFL? You're going to get it from the players. So it makes complete sense. If you're just a greedy, greedy, greedy elf to go out there and let the people who make money in the NFL bet on your sports apps, as long as, okay, you don't bet on the NFL and you don't bet at work and you don't have people placing bets for you. You don't share this information. You don't enter a sports book. Again, no idea what that even means. Or you play fantasy football. As long as you can do that, we're more than willing to take all your money. You can come work for us. We'll pay you. Then you can bet all your money on our betting apps that we own. It's a win, win, win situation for the owners and nobody else. It's terrific. It's phenomenal. How could there be any confusion as to what our policy is? Right. But it's come to people's attention that the policy just might be confusing. From the owner's perspective, it's not confusing at all. Nobody in the NFL has money except us and the players. So nobody else is allowed to bet because we have to protect the integrity of the game. But the other people who have money, we're going to make them, we're going to let them bet. We're going to get their money somehow, some way, some shape or form. And we're going to let them bet as long as they don't do it at work, because if they do it at work, it's going to look like things are not on the up and up. So we can't let them bet at work or on the NFL, but everything else, go bet on the golf, go bet on baseball, go bet on this. We want your money in all those kinds of way, because we know you make money and you have money to, to bet. So you're allowed to do it. Okay. That's the policy. Now that I've explained the policy, now we know what we're dealing with with the owners. So because the NFL is a purely reactive entity and not a proactive entity, and by that I mean they wait for something to blow up, then they show up and say it wasn't us, it was those nasty players, and they blame somebody else, they never take responsibility. I mean, look at this Ray Rice thing where he terrible incident where he's beating up on somebody in the elevator. They go out, they suspend him for a couple games. The video comes out. People get all outraged. Then they suspend him for an entire year. And then like Ray Rice has to go in there and like argue back. And then the courts 
the courts side with Ray Rice because the NFL got no new information. They just had to react to some kind of outrage that was given. This is why anything happens in the NFL and people get mad. The NFL immediately walks in and then definitely suspends somebody. It's about damage control. That's how they work. They wait for something to happen. Then they deal with it. And now that people are being suspended and the athletic, and I'm giving credit to the athletic where it's due, they're bringing this issue out into the for, into the front. Hey, these players are not being educated. There's a double standard. You have owners invested in, in apps convincing people to gamble. Well, the only people who are allowed to gamble are the players. Nobody else can do this, but why do we have two double standards? So the NFL has to come out and do damage control. And so here's a perfect opportunity for me to educate you, the enlightened listener, as to exactly how the NFL operates when it comes to damage control. So how does the NFL do damage control? The first thing they do is they get their their talking head of choice. Usually this is one of their low-level grunts like uh, Ian Rappaport or uh, Rich Eisen. They get one of their low-level grunts to go out on the NFL network, get that goon to go out there and say something, and then everyone says the exact same thing, right? Let's get some low-level goon to make some statement. They did this, by the way, with Lamar Jackson, right? Ian Rappaport, that goon comes on. Uh, the owners are not colluding against Lamar Jackson. And then, like, every sports outlet, the owners are not colluding against Lamar Jackson. And, like, collusion never comes up again. It just magically disappears. So what the NFL is doing right now is they're going to magically make gambling disappear. So they send their upper, or let's say a mid-level goon this time, they send out a mid-level goon to be on Good Morning Football. Now, let's see if we can get this one to work. The mid-level goon comes out to the NFL network on onto Good Morning Football on the NFL network and basically says, hey, this stuff's going on. The Supreme Court shot down the rule that says you can't gamble. So society is out there. You know, gambling's out there. It's a thing we have to deal with. It's going on. We're trying to educate our players because the rule is simple. Don't bet on football. There's no confusion. It's perfectly clear. There are six conditions and throws the six conditions up on the screen, right? Says, hey, it's pretty simple. Follow the six rules. Don't bet on football, blah, blah, blah. We've talked about it a bunch of times. And we have to do this now because society out there says it's okay to gamble on sports. And we in the middle, the NFL are in the middle attempting to do the right thing. We just want to make sure that our players are educated. They know how to handle this because society has said that it's okay to gamble. And in this whole process, the NFL is pushed off as this passive, this is happening to them as opposed to them being, which is the real truth, which is we're actively seeking people's money. This is portrayed as something that's happening to the NFL. And they're the victims. And they have to watch out for their poor, innocent players who they're trying to protect in the process. All the while, they're suspending them as soon as they bet on on company property. And who cares if the NFL officials are as rotten and dirty as you can get? long as the players don't look like they're betting on NFL games, it's okay. And my God, if the players bet on a golf game while on a team bus, we're going to get rid of that dude straight out. So now the narrative is set, correct? We have the mid-level goon 
on the NFL Good Morning Football. And now the, the words are out there. The, the narrative is set. So then, as you would expect, everyone is following suit, starting with The Athletic. James Boyd of The Athletic on June 20th, that would be yesterday as of the time of this recording, writes a piece explaining all the things the NFL does to educate their players on gambling, including, by the way, a testimonial by Isaiah Rogers, I think it's Isaiah Rogers the second, I believe, of the Colts who allegedly bet on the Colts. And the, the article quotes Rogers as saying, I made an error in judgment, and I'm going to work hard to make sure that these mistakes are rectified through this process, Rogers wrote in a statement. It is an honor to play in the NFL, and I have never taken that lightly, and I am very sorry for all of this. So you can get on The Athletic, ladies and gentlemen, and read all about how great the NFL is and how this is a pandemic crap in society. Society, the Supreme Court, has unleashed this evil into the world, and the players are falling victim to this evil, but they know the rules. They've been educated. They know better. Look, we're going to trot out our most famous offender, the guy who bet on the Colts. We're going to show how he's saying like a little puppet that, hey, I did this. This was my fault. I knew better. And it's all great. Just following the line, right? The mid-level goon set the narrative, and here comes the reinforcement of the narrative. Not only is it simple, players know it, and the biggest defender knew what he was doing and knew the rules, and he's sorry. So it can't be anybody else's fault. It's just something that's happening in society, and the NFL is trying to fix it. Company line. There it is. You also have Stephen Holder from ESPN on June 20th doing the same thing. Here's all the ways the NFL is educating their players on gambling. But adds, but adds, and here's the key, furthers the argument of Mr. Uh, Mr. Boyd of The Athletic. He furthers this by saying the rules are very straightforward and they're very clear. There are no ambiguities and it's extremely, extremely clear. Any individual that works for the NFL knows exactly what the rules are and how they're supposed to work. Now, I'll be honest. Again, I've pointed this out. I have no idea what a sports book is, and I've been following the NFL for I don't know how long. I don't gamble, so that's probably it. But I'm telling you, the rules I explained to you earlier are not that simple. But, you know, this is how it works. You get the mid-level goon to come out, then the athletic, then ESPN, then Bleacher Report. Any place that you can think of that comes out with news is going to come out with the NFL is doing a great job in educating their players, and it's the players' fault if they don't know what's going on and they deserve to be suspended. Because the narrative is set, right? And this narrative comes down to the NFL ownership is just a bunch of passive victims in this, and they really care about you while they let your information go on the internet and get sold on the dark web and decide not to tell you about it for six months. And they're the passively attempting to protect the players while they suspend them and run them up the roof for betting on golf in the middle of a team bus outing. One hand is saying crap while the other hand's doing something completely different. The two don't make sense, but this is the same process that goes on for every single thing that goes on. It was the same process for Lamar Jackson. They sent their lower level goon Ian Rappaport onto the NFL network, said the NFL owners are not colluding, and then everyone picked it up and ran with it. 
This is the same thing that was used when people caught up like, hey, I think the NFL officials or something's going on that this thing is not on the up and up. The NFL came out and decided, hey, let's just make a joke out of all this stuff. And then we make a joke out of, uh, oh, the NFL scripted. You've got the Jacksonville Jaguars out there doing a script. The NFL um, schedule release became this little joke for them to make fun of anybody that thinks that the NFL is not exactly on the up and up. It's the same stupid narrative. You come out with, here's the mid-level or lower-level goon, sets the narrative, and everyone follows suit. And the bottom line, the NFL believes that you are either don't care, this is what's going on, or you're too stupid to understand what they're actually pulling off on you. But that is why you have me. I'm here to sift through the stupidity of the Borg to point out to you exactly what the Borg is doing, exactly how they're doing it, and why you should be aware of this is what's going on. The Borg do not have your best interest in mind. They are not interested in you. All they want is your money. Period. That's it. All they want is your money. And they will create bifurcating processes, one for this NFL employees that don't play and one for the players because the players have money and we need to get their money the nfl owners are the borg they work as a collective for the good of the collective and they will like put their pr machine out there to make you believe that they actually care and on the up and up nothing is ever their fault whatever they are the borg we are the borg your culture will adapt to service us Resistance is futile. Thank you for listening to the What the Elf Was That podcast. Please like, subscribe, and tell all your friends to give a listen. You can follow host Joel Cade on Twitter at The Left Guard. 